Welcome to the special Valentine's Day edition of Veteran Led. In today's episode, Omaha Bar Association Executive Director Dave Summers interviews me and my wife, Mallory Hughes. We all know how important our buddy teams can be, and the most important buddy team is you and your significant other. Here we go. Welcome to the Veteran-Led Podcast, where we talk with leaders who use their military experiences to develop great organizations and continue to serve their communities. I think there's something special to being married to an attorney. That's my personal bias as somebody who's married to an attorney. So uh, we thought, what better way to celebrate Valentine's Day but have you guys out and um, answer some questions about what makes it special being a lawyer married to another lawyer. So um, take us back, tell us how you guys met and those early days of the courtship. Sure, well, let me, let me start by saying that I don't think it's about a lawyer being married to a lawyer. Maybe it's being married to someone who, who gets you, Yes. right? And right. so we met trying a case together and um, I had, uh, case that I was working on and uh, one of Mallory's colleagues suggested that she would be a good second chair for the case. She had just come off of a really big win. And so we started working together on this case and it went really well. I would say the dynamic went from the first case we tried was, okay, you sit here, here are your witnesses and you will do the opening statement to, you know, now um, I will do whatever she tells me to do in the cases. And I think that that's just you know, the, the trust, but not just the trust of a spouse, but the trust of a, of a colleague that you work really hard with. And I think there's a lot of similarities in that, you you know, you have to be able to live with your spouse day in and day out. And, and as some of us that try cases, it seems like, you know, we're together all the time. And so if that chemistry is there and you can collaborate and you can critique each other and you can still get along, then it's, it's pretty special. Yeah, it was. Um, so we were in Nebraska City. There's a an annual federal uh, criminal defense CLE that's put on by the Federal Public Defender's Office um, for the CJA panel attorneys. So that's where we were. And um, yeah, one of my colleagues introduced us and we talked about the case. And a few weeks later, John brought me onto it. And so we met trying a case together and learned a I learned a lot from him that was my early days of um of trial practice that was probably only like my third or fourth jury trial ever at that point in time um so I learned a tremendous amount but um you know after that we picked up another case together and then we went to some seminars together and the rest is history <laughs> it's I I think it's rare to have working together and being in a relationship because I love to go home and tell my wife, I was the hero today. I did everything right. If anything went wrong, it wasn't my fault. You're working next to this person. You're working the same case. You, you can't, you know, fib a little bit about what happened. They're seeing everything you're doing day in, day out. And that closeness, it's pretty special. I, I, I can never do it, but you guys seem to do it very well. I, well, I think it's easier. I think it's easier in, in the courtroom, and I think it's easier when you have your professional hat on than when, than when you come home. Right. Um, because we, we accept feedback as a gift. We want to get better, and we're both hyper-competitive, and so we want to work together to win. So we both know how to be on a great team uh, in the courtroom. Yeah. But at home, it, you know, sometimes it's different. So I think the best example is because I think we won six or seven jury trials together, back up, and all of a sudden we lost one. And I realized 
after we lost that one that, you know, Mallory is now, she's better than me. And so it's time for her to take the lead, right? So now I'm working with someone who's better than me and I can accept that. And that's very easy to do in a professional setting, at least for me. But then when we get home, right, <laughs> that, that's all, it's, it's, it's a different game. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think um, in some ways I, it almost makes for the most effective co-counseling situation because we do have that common goal of we we want to get the best possible result for our client. And um, I don't think either one of us takes offense to just brutal, quick honesty. And so you don't have to necessarily sidestep or try and be more gentle or like, hey, have you considered doing? It's like, nope, that's the wrong way to do it. We have to do it this way. And we both do that to each other. And there's no offense taken because it's this is what's best for the client. Whereas if you're working with someone you're not quite as close with, you have to be a little more professional and kind. And so to be able to just be blunt and raw it kind of saves a lot of time, frankly. But um, yeah, it is the the transition from work to home. And then, you know, maybe somebody's ready to unwind and watch TV and, you know, binge on a series and the other person's still in work mode. Mm -hmm. And then that definitely impacts the other person's ability to relax. And that's definitely something that I think we, we run into. We're not always in the same. The hat's <laughs> off. Yeah. And, and sometimes <laughs> the hat's off for one person and still on for the other. And that's when it can be a little tricky. But it is so nice to be able to share this, connect um, with what you do professionally in your relationship, right? Uh, to experience those joys of winning together, of, of preparing and winning a trial and things like that. That's, that can be yeah. extremely satisfying. Yeah. yeah. I think it's easy to align Profe in, in a professional in any profession. Professionals know how to align. They know how to work as a team. They know how to put the client first and, and get the job done. And that is paramount. That goes uh, above your feelings, above uh, what, what may have happened last night, good or bad. But you know, you have to put that aside and, 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 and you can maintain that alignment in the professional environment. But you get outside of that environment and it, it's messy. It gets, it gets really messy because now we're not working together towards a goal. Now we're, we're, we're independent people trying to cohabitate. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's a lot different um, when you know we're, we're different people outside the courtroom. Number one, the client isn't there anymore, right? So we don't have to maintain that level of professionalism. Um, but the other part is that we just, we become different people. Yeah. Now it's, let's, we, we take it down a notch, we're a little bit more relaxed, and it's also, okay, now this is me time. Yeah. And then if we're both having our me time at the same time, then are we really working together? And the answer is no, we're, we're both doing our own thing. And that's where it becomes really hard because now we have to compromise. In a trial, we don't compromise <laughs> on excellence, right? If I'm screwed up and she tells me I'm screwed up, right? Okay, right. like if you're right, I can I can take that. But if I'm at home and she's like, "You never take out the fucking trash," well, you know that's not true, and I'm going to fight back on that. But this brings up a really interesting point, which is the phone as the other thing in the relationship. Right? You're in the same room, you're spending quality time together, but sometimes that phone just gets in the way, and yeah, yeah, we were sitting in the same room, but it wasn't necessarily time that we were together. We yeah. were on our phones, yeah. I am. Um, well, so I do like Wordle, Wordle, Connection, Spelling Bee, Crossword, Mini, all those with my family, but they all do them in the morning. And that's one of my things at night that I kind of like to do after I'm done it with work and in bed. So that's definitely like a common thing. So if he starts something on TV, I'm usually doing my puzzles on the phone. And I have no notifications on my phone. Yeah. I don't let anything pop up on my phone. No notifications. Wow. 
And so I, I don't have social media on my phone, but Mallory doesn't have her work email on her phone. Mm. So that way, um, they're like, you know, like either you own your phone or your phone owns you. And I like to be proactive, not reactive. And so I think one of the challenges is if people are on their phone and they're dinging and buzzing all night, then it's really going to affect the opportunities for intimacy and you're just going to be on your phone. And as you know, Clients don't, if you don't set really good boundaries, uh, they're not going to follow them. And even if you set them, that doesn't mean you won't get a text or a, an email at 10 o'clock at night. And so I just prefer to not have that notification. And as criminal defense attorneys, you do have to be sort of available for potential um, arrest during the night, right? Yeah. There's, there is such thing as vacation, but there's not in the sense of if a client calls me in a panic and I'm, you know, in the Caribbean on a vacation, I'm answering the phone, I'm going up to the room, I'm taking 20 minutes to figure out what's going on, or at least taking the time to talk to another attorney on my team who has boots on the ground that can help. Um, but but yeah, that is one, my entire career, I've never had my um, work email come into my phone. That is one thing that I've, but I still get feedback that I'm overly available. Like, why are you emailing me back at midnight? And sometimes, you know, sometimes I'm up. But I think that's the culture we want to set too, because yeah. look, look, if a PI lawyer gets a call at three in the morning to, and, and clients in the hospital, they're going to the hospital. And that's just, you have to have that attitude. And a friend of mine who's highly successful, we were in a meeting and uh, with some, some amazing attorneys and he took a phone call. And I was like, I said, you're one of the most successful people I know. How do you step out and take a phone call? He's like, He's like, hey, if you want to make money, you got to be inconvenienced. And his his idea was, I will be available twenty four seven. And then there are other people that say, no, I am going to set clear boundaries. I mean, I think you know your your relationship suffers if you don't set those boundaries. So for this individual, you know, I don't know what his personal life looks like. I, I know that he always answers the phone and he's great at getting on and getting off the phone. And he wants his clients to know that he's available all the time and gives out his cell phone number to everybody. Mm -hmm. And there are people that do that. And I think sometimes early in your practice, you have to do that. But then you can move on to you realize that, well, that might be an opportunity for a junior attorney to have that role. Mm -hmm. And I think this, like looping it back to the couple situation yeah, yeah. is um, where we can have a certain level of understanding and empathy that like this is the reality of it. Whereas someone who has a nine to five job who's able to shut it off until the next morning at nine might not understand why on earth are you stepping out of the bedroom at 10 o'clock at night to go do this. And I think we understand, you know, short of the result, communication with the client is the most important thing. And sometimes they just need to, you know, have a conversation or know that everything's okay in their case. But anyway, point being, I think that that's understanding the fires, understanding that yes, this is important. This is how our job functions and being able to, you know, know it because we each live it, I think is a helpful part of the relationship. Whereas somebody who doesn't have the same career is like, what? No, you're done. It's after 5 PM. What right. are you doing? Right. And so, yeah. But I think that gives us a lot more freedom too, right? So in terms of if, if stuff has to get done, we do it, yes. you know, and that might be at six in the morning. It might be at 10 o'clock at night. But then that also, when you get the stuff done, you don't have to live in this world of like, okay, I'm going to be at the office from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Now, if you're a young lawyer, be there, be right? There. If you're in litigation, you need to be there. You just learn from being there. And, you know, it's, a, I think it's, it's, it's unfortunate that a lot of the uh, newer lawyers seem to miss out on that opportunity of being present in the office because that's where I really learned as a new lawyer. It was being present and the opportunities and just being there and being immersed with it. You can't really learn litigation if you're not present. But, you know, as, as, as we've moved on, it's okay, I have to be in the office maybe today until noon. But then I've got all this other stuff I want to do. Well, can I do that from noon to five? And can we go to dinner? Yes. Now I'll probably be working 
right? Till <laughs> till till ten or eleven right. o'clock at night. But that's that that's fine. Um, so long as I meet my obligations. And I think too often we get caught up in this uh, mindset where we got to be at the office from you know seven a.m. to whatever it is seven p.m. and then we don't get to see our family. Right. You can go. You can go home. You know, go leave at four or five, have dinner with your family, and then and then do the work. And no, there's not balance. There never has been balance. Not if you want to be great at what you do. Uh, you can look at a lot of, go to any other profession, and you can say, well, does this person only work forty hours a week? No, they don't work forty hours a week. And then, yes, if you choose to have that lifestyle where you're working 60, 70 hours a week, it's going to impact the time you spend with your family. But the key is to make that time count yeah, and to be well, present during that time. I mean, if you're just on your phone the whole time when you're together and you're, you're responding to clients, you're not really together. You might as well just go back to the office. Right, right, absolutely. And so you guys have kids, you, yes. have, you have twins, Sienna and- Gabriella. I always forget, I was, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, they just turned one. Yes, on New Year's Eve. Oh my yes. gosh, yep. um, so exciting. Uh, that's, I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot to have twins the same age, um, to be that young. Um, how has that affected your guys' relationship? Um, I think that it's, for me, it's been, okay, I need to be more efficient with my day um, from a work perspective so that I can then be present with the family at the end of the work day. Okay. Um, so before, when I didn't have kids, and John was always very understanding of, you know, it was, I could stop work at three one day and I could stop work at 11 o'clock the next, 11 p.m. the next day. It was kind of, there was no, you know, and so for me, it's just being more efficient with my day and setting a hard boundary to be able to go to family time and not let work transition and then circling back in the evening and working after the girls go to bed. So that's kind of been the trickier thing I would say for me is I didn't have to be quite as efficient with my time yeah, um, right. before, but um, John has two older kids too. So this is his second um, go around with the balancing act. And we figured out, like we figured out, we, we crunched the numbers and it's actually much more cost effective when you have two lawyers to just get a nanny Yeah. because the amount of time we work and the lost sleep, it just, we need to be at our best for our clients. And so we've realized like it's, it, it's worth it to pay somebody else to get up in the middle of the night so that we can be ready, refreshed. And it's also good for a relationship. It removes a lot of the stress. It removes a lot of, well, who, you got up and look, I, I, I've lived the life before where, Hey, well, it's not my turn to get up. It's not, you know, and it, I've done that. And I, I that, well, it's, it, most couples get through that part of it. It's, it's a tough part of the relationship. And, and we just decided like, that, we're not going to do that. Like if it, I would rather work a few more hours and then be able to enjoy the time with my family than to always be struggling to do everything. And it's, I mean, we get to really just enjoy our time with them. I mean, there are, our, our nanny's actually also a doula. So she has some extra training as far as, um, you know, sleep training, which is really important yeah. with twins, getting them on the same schedule, but um, feeding and that kind of stuff. But she helps us meal plan for them. She does their laundry. She does their dishes. So when we're with them, we don't have to be thinking about doing all the collateral things for the kids. So if it's related to the kids, she's helping out with it, basically, um, which I think is really nice. And, you know, you hear a lot of couples where oh, dad gets to come home and be the fun dad, at, right. you know, and right. mom's cleaning up all this stuff. Well, we don't have to worry about those battles um, and we don't have to worry about allocating time to chores related to the babies right now. We just get to be with them and eat with them and watch them do the next thing that they're going to learn to do. They are so cute. They are just, they're, <laughs> and they have their own personalities. Yes. And 
Um, I just love seeing all the, the photos and videos you post. Yeah. Um, so you guys are probably, I'm not going on a limb here. You guys are the most well-known lawyer couple in Nebraska. Uh, we got the billboards, we got the, um, the ads on TV. Um, you, you guys are, are the known couple out there. How does it feel to be so famous? <laughs> In this uh, in this small little world we have in Omaha, I mean, people that aren't in the legal profession know know you guys because you're everywhere. You're synonymous with with the Omaha legal world. Omaha is a small city. I feel like we go to these other events and we see the couples that are you know on a national scale, and I'm like those are famous people. <laughs> but I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I don't I don't think we're, we're we're famous. You know, this is more of a function of you know running a, a growing law firm. Right, so as much as I, I'm not a huge fan of, of advertising, it costs it costs a lot of money. But when I was a young lawyer, there was a lawyer that was highly successful in a specific area of law, and I had won one case in this area this year, one year, and he had won five. And what I didn't find out till the end of the year was that's because he had fifty of those cases. Right. I had five, right? And so w what I learned was, you know, sometimes to get the best cases, you gotta get the most cases, and, or at least enough, right, for it to make a difference. And I couldn't understand, like, this guy's great, he's winning all the cases. And then when I suddenly understood that, you know, if you're looking for a specific fact pattern, you have to look for more fact patterns. It's, it's not gonna be, in the one case, it's not gonna be there, but it might be there in 10, 20, 30 cases. It's, it's gonna show up eventually, but the, the problem is, if you're just gonna sit around and wait for it, it's not going to come. So you you do what you can to I think um, get the opportunities, and that's and that's where uh, the value is. And then the the byproduct is uh, being. And I don't know whether it's a good byproduct or a bad byproduct oh. because then you know people know us, they recognize us, they see us, and right. um, you know certainly uh, you have to uh, be cautious. <laughs> uh, people will call, hey John, and I'm like I don't know, I do, do I, you know yeah. that awkward moment where you right, say, right, right. do I know this person? Hey, Should you? I say hey? Yeah. Okay, so. Yeah. I just, I mean, John has always, I feel like, been on the brink of the next new technology and marketing and things yeah. like that. And I'm not, and I'm not disinterested in it, but I'm just like focused on my practice. And so I appreciate him doing the research and knowing and being involved in different groups where he learns the next new thing. And it's nice to be at a place, well, I'm married to someone, frankly, who just says, okay, these are your strengths and this is what you have to offer. And this is the best way to market that and just kind of follow blindly almost because it's like, that's not my area of expertise. I'm not in marketing. I'm not in business development, but I listen to people who are and just kind of say, okay, you think this works, then let's do it. And I'll keep practicing law and doing the best I can on the cases. <laughs> and that's that's the thing. As attorneys, sometimes we have that problem of not saying we're not the expert in this area. We we don't know all this over here. Somebody else can do it. Somebody else can, you know, do our podcast um, right. video. Yeah. Um, and having the right experts and the right um, professionals doing the work to offset our good work in the courtroom mm -hmm. is important. And I think you guys have done a great job of that. One thing also that I've seen that I'm really impressed with, and um, I think word's gotten on there in the community, is the culture that the firm has. Um, and John, I know you've talked about this in other podcast episodes um, about you know the team um, aspect, the the squad um, sort of mindset. 
Um, and also the way you make decisions, everyone's heard. Um, can you talk a little bit about the culture that you guys are building? Sure. So we want lawyers to be the best lawyers they can be. I see them as the tactical athletes, the ones that go out and and if they can focus on their craft and become and 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 just focus on that, then they can become great. But it's all the other distractions. And I learned this when I was running the firm, and I had to worry about payroll and back then the yellow pages, if you can believe oh, it. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the figuring out whether. We we're going to need to borrow money, figuring out uh, how many cases came in the door, figuring out whether we had enough attorneys, we needed more attorneys, we needed more staff, HR issues. And I was doing it all. And you just get so burned out. And, and, and not only does it take its toll on you and your family, but you're also just not, you're doing your clients a disservice. So you, if, if you're going to be great at something, be great at it. And then you have to just let everything else go. When I say let it go, I mean, hire somebody better than you to do it. And I know that there was a book that came out, and I've just got an argument about this today. Uh, it was called Buy Back Your Time. And the idea is that you just pay people to take things off your plate. But where, where I, I violently disagree is when, the, when they say, well, yeah, you can just pay people to do everything to take it off your plate. No, no, no. You get to a level where you want to hire people who do it better than you. So you don't even have to think about it. In other words, they're educating you. Right. So my goal is that we, we build a staff that knows how to do all these things so that the lawyers can just be lawyers and that they don't have to worry about all that other stuff. They can focus on their clients. They can focus on their cases. And, 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 and my job is to bring them those opportunities. So if I can't provide them the best opportunity and they go somewhere else, th then I failed. And as leaders, we, we fail often, but that's where we learn. And, and where I've learned the most is to hire the absolute best people. In the, look, we have somebody running a finance function for us that can help us work through the, the complicated stuff I don't understand. We've got somebody running marketing. We've got someone running our intake. We've got someone running our HR. We've got a, uh, a chief information officer that's running our IT to make sure our lawyers never uh, have a problem where their computer doesn't turn on. It doesn't work, right? We they, They're working through the IT issues. They're making sure our, our lawyers are at least tr literate when it comes to <laughs> trial tech, right? Because, hey, let's walk through. Let's make sure you understand how your presentation is going to work. Because, there's, you know, there's nothing worse than the jury sitting there and they've been sitting there for two weeks and now they're waiting for some lawyer to figure out how to use PowerPoint or, or one of the other uh, presentation programs. So it, it really has been about focusing on providing the best opportunities for the best lawyers to get even better, right? So we want to hire great people and then we want to give them this opportunity to get even better. And that doesn't happen overnight, right? You're not going to have the best team you know, tomorrow, even if I decide to hire them, it's going to take me years. And by the way, if I don't have the best team, then I'm not getting the best lawyers. And so it takes time to, I think, build an attractive organization where you can say, hey, come here and, 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 and we will do what we can to make you successful because we believe that, that you're a great lawyer and we can help you get there by removing all the extraneous stuff and putting you you know, it, with a group of champions, right? right. When people come, it, you know, the thoroughbreds want to know that there's other thoroughbreds at the racetrack. They right. don't want to come to the racetrack and see a bunch of donkeys, right? right? They want to run against other champions. And so when you have, uh, you know, great lawyers like Mallory on the team, it's easier to attract good talent. And then they come and say, oh yeah, we love what Mallory's doing. She's winning all these trials. And I say, yeah, and by the way, we've got a phenomenal marketing team, IT team, you know, and, and, and we can really help bring your practice to the next level if that's what you want. Now, here's where I have absolutely failed. I always believe that people want what I want or what Mallory wants. And some people don't want that. They're like, hey, I really want to get the cases, but I want nothing to do with marketing. Or some people, like, they're amazing. Um, and especially on our veterans law side, right? They want to work eight to five. 
Right. You know, we've got some phenomenal lawyers. They can just go, you know, eight to five, they're in, they're out. They do amazing work. They win for their clients, but they don't have to worry about the client calling, you know, for the emergency at 10 o'clock at night, like the, the PI lawyers and the criminal lawyers have to worry about. So uh, I, I try to create an environment where it's, it's right for the, for the right people. But if you have the right people on your team, the message is always right. So I don't worry that much about messaging. I worry about providing the resources for them to be successful and, and getting um, the right players on the team. Because also... I don't believe that any lawyer, you know, no, I'll, I'll probably get beat up for this. I, if possible, a lawyer should never try a case alone. Mm. We should be working together throughout the case. Two heads are better than one. And yeah. there's just so much you miss, yeah. you know, and if you can have, and working together, I mean, like Mallory's telling me you did this wrong, this cross-examination's wrong, this impeachment's wrong. I mean, but, you know, it, had she not done that, right, that might have affected the outcome of the case. So I, I think it's important to have a team. Uh, look, as lawyers, we go through some pretty deep, dark times when we lose, when we fail our clients, uh, when, when we let ourselves down. I mean, it's not all wins. And, you know, you're in criminal defense, the, the deck is stacked against you. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, it's tough. And even in PI cases, you're like, there's so much money on the table right now that we've already invested in depositions and expert witnesses. And it's really tough sometimes to, to, to go that alone. But when you have a team and they're looking up to you, it's very hard to not to not feel inspired, and I think that's that's the key is that you know hire hire your heroes, hire the people you look up to, and uh, you know doing that has made has made quite a difference. And I know Mallory has a lot of uh, team members that are her friends, right? And they get along. And some people were friends before they joined the team, and some have been friends afterwards. But it's those deep bonds that you build when you're really working together yeah. on solving the client's problem. And I think that that's really what's worked well for us. And once again, I, I don't have all the answers. I've done a lot of things wrong, and through failing, I've learned quite a bit. Sure. Well, it's it's just you have egos. We have egos as attorneys. You know, we we um, you put us in an environment together without the right um, framework, and it can be a complete nightmare. Right? Everyone's going up against everybody else. They see everybody else as a competitor against them. They're you know, um, and I think I think you guys have had a pretty healthy culture of team um, that I think. It's a it's a good learning uh, point for for some people out there for some firms out there, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I and I'm for, you know I came from another firm when I worked for Stu Dornan that was very collaborative as well, um, trying cases together. I mean, I am not ashamed that I have never tried a felony case by myself. Mm -hmm. Like you have to set your ego aside. Like, could I win a felony case by myself? I I would like to think so, but gosh, do I want to gamble on that for a client, or do I want to give my client? Two attorneys, two heads, you know. So that to me is is when it can be done. That's that's a good way to do it. Um, but on on more of a micro level, I guess than John talked about. I mean, the two other attorneys on my team, we have some sort of subsections depending on subject matter in our firm. Um, I mean, I've talked to them collectively three separate times today already, and it's only three o'clock. I mean, and that's routine for us. We talk every single day of the week about our cases. We're collaborating. Um, they're phenomenal attorneys and. Uh, I learn from them every day and I hope they learn from me some. And I know our clients are benefited by multiple people being involved in the cases. Um, so I like the team approach. I think that that's where you unturn all the stones and put forth the best that you can. So yeah, I think that's a really important point because law school doesn't develop lawyers, right? And you, you come out of law school and you, you know, you, you know, a little bit, and I'm, I'm very thankful that I, I clerked at the Douglas County public defender's office. So I yeah. got a couple of years of, of, of experience knowing like what really happens in the courtroom and the, how to file something, you know, back, this is before electronic filing, but you learn how to do these things, um, through doing. 
And there's a big difference between training and development. And so when someone comes to us, we have a 90-day onboarding program where we will actually, okay, we're going to train you on how to use Filevine and, and SharePoint and all of our systems, right? But the real development comes from the team members like Mallory. And so the way we break it down is I have commanders of each section, and then there's platoon leaders. Then each platoon leader is going to have a few attorneys that they are responsible for developing. So that way those platoons can, you know, Mallory has, I guess, two right now two other attorneys and and, and legal assistants and paralegals, but they all work together as a team. And the value in that is those junior attorneys develop. Now, that being said, it works a lot better when, when people are in the office uh, so they can just be present for that. Hey, you, can you help me, please? Uh, as opposed to, you know, when you, we see somebody, we're just more likely to give them, a, give them an opportunity than if we don't see them. Um, but, but I will tell you that, you know, one of Mallory's best lawyers is in Lincoln. And it just, it, it works out that way. But as lawyers, we have to be dedicated to mentoring. Those yeah. teamers. I mean, we can train. Look, we have a corporate trainer at Barry Love. They can teach you all the basics, but you can't learn how to practice law. You must be developed to practice law and to practice law well. And so it's a developing and mentoring. And so people like Mallory totally, totally get that. Now, that being said, leadership is tough. Leadership, is, is, especially with lawyers, right? Because generally lawyers are not leaders, they're technicians, right? They want to be super good at what they do. And that is understanding the law, applying the law, winning for their clients. But then you have to bring in, you know, other people's opinions um, and, and you have to get results. And, you know, leadership, while it's important to have diversity of thought and diversity of opinion, um, leaders get results. And there are, you know, it's tough because when we bring people in, it's okay, this is about leadership and they think it's all about talking and feeling good. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's about winning. Leadership is really about winning for your client, winning for your team. And I always say if someone wants to do something, it has to be a triple win. It's got to be a win for the client. It's got to be a win for the lawyers in the firm. And, and it's got to be a win for the firm as a whole, right? If, if we can, if we can do that, then everybody wins. That's what leadership is. It's really aligning. It's aligning people. And I said I've I failed miserably from time to time. Um, and so, but I get frustrated then when I have a, a subordinate leader who might be running a team, and and they're doing the same things I was doing. And it's like, man, like just believe me, don't do that, don't do that. <laughs> and and they do it. And then you know, and then and then there's 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 pushback. And I think back in the military, I would always be able to tell like my company commanders, hey. Are you sure you want to do that? And if they did it, you know, they it was uh, you know they learned from it. But I think you know in 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 law, it's a little bit different because in in a military training environment, yes, we there are risks and we certainly mitigate the risks. In the law, you know, we're not we're playing with live rounds here. Right. These are real clients with real problems. And if we don't if we don't have a great leadership structure where our team is performing and we're holding our teammates to the standard, the clients affected. So we have to we have to get it right. And so sometimes. Um, it makes it very difficult to to have some of those conversations, and I wouldn't call them difficult conversations. I'm pretty straightforward, mm -hmm. but for some people, it's pretty difficult, right? Because we don't want to we want to give someone feedback in a way that they see it as a gift, and they and they it helps them. We don't want to give them feedback and then they just bristle you know, and they say, "Oh my, yeah, you just don't, they just don't like me," or uh, they're just jealous or whatever. And it's like, no, I'm giving you this feedback because I want you to be successful. And that's you know one of the things where I've really pulled back, and now I. I, lo I love to try a case, right? But I'm not trying to take cases away from other lawyers. I want those lawyers to own those cases and to learn from those cases. And I want to be there to support. But, uh, you know, I I'm not going to jump in and take one of Mallory's cases or walk into her office and say, hey, I'm going to kick Paul off this case because I want to try it with you. Mm. You know, I, I generally uh, will. Bet. Now, if someone asks, I'm, I'm always I'm always available. <laughs> um, the asks seem to get fewer and fewer these days for some reason. Uh, so maybe I'm not that good. Uh, but, 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 you know, I, I want to help. And, yeah. and I think, you know, that's, that's the example I can set is, you know, how can I, how can I help? Yeah. How can I 
help you be a better lawyer? How can I help you reach your financial goals? How can we make this work? And, and, and having those questions, you know, having those conversations, I think works well. And I mean, even Mallory and I have had the conversation. Okay, well, what do we want our future to look like? And I, I'm, I, I'll tell you, if someone can't tell me what they want their future to look like or they don't want to tell me, they're probably not going to work out because yeah. I need someone who wants a bigger future. I need someone who gives me energy, right? If I come out of a meeting and I have less energy than going in, I probably got the wrong people in the meeting. Right. And uh, so, you know, with Mallory, you know, she's got big goals and so does her team. And so it's very easy to have those conversations, but it's when you don't really know what, what your team member wants or if they don't want something bigger and they're just here to cruise. Uh, look, high performers and low performers don't get along. Yeah. Well, that's that's true. That's a big big part of the team working together is is similar mission um, feeling from both of them mm -hmm. understanding um, what they want in a big way. What's one thing about the other that you really appreciate, and what's one thing that really bugs you in a big way? I really like the sex. Um, <laughs> I love it. Okay. Now, you know, you know, what I really appreciate is I think we're both just- This is a, this is a, a mature podcast. I'm, I'm checking that box. You can edit it out if you want to. I mean, that's fine. But you know what I really um, enjoy about the relationship, well, and I, I mean, I say that, I'm not really joking because it's, it's more the physical act. Like we do a lot together. Uh, sometimes we work out together. We ski together. Uh, Mallory was an Olympic development skier. We play sports together. So we do a lot of physical activities together, which I think uh, makes our relationship better because it's you know, one thing to, to talk and to have the, the nice dinners. But for me, that doesn't really like make me feel close to someone. It's when we're actually doing something together, whether it's trying a case or skiing or biking or doing an exercise program it just it just makes me feel like i'm close to that person and so when, when mallory and i do that i it really makes uh, i think it, it i really like that part of our relationship mallory um I, john's energy yeah. in everything i mean it's it's really john, uh, this john barry yeah, energy know, okay <laughs> the same person sitting here i know you wouldn't guess it right um yeah no i mean it, it's high energy whatever we're doing like it's um all the things he mentioned, exercising, work, trial, skiing, um, even with the kids. I mean, it's like always like a million, you know, decibels of, ah, hey, <laughs> um, but but no, in a good way. Um, so yeah, I would say the energy he brings. Opposite, what what bugs you? What does he do that oh, bugs you? Oh, that's easy. Um, the protein powder and energy powder that is caked to the kitchen sink or the counter or, um, you know, that I have to then go clean up. So yeah, the, the no easy the, way to put it into the bottle. Right. I've tried. It's, it and it's work. like, it's the formula that helps give him all the energy that I love so much, but seeing it on the counter and on the sink. <laughs> well, my ally, my, my defense attorney, and this would be uh, Maggie Ebert from Kutak Rock. Yeah. We've had this discussion that maybe what we're doing is a little bit more important than, you know, getting a little powder somewhere. So Maggie, um, I, if you could send a text later today. And Andrew, we can talk to, because Andrew will call Maggie a serial killer for knowingly leaving powder on the counter. <laughs> that, that checks out. That checks out. So, sure. so I, I would say that, yeah, the thing that bothers me um, is that, you know, while Mallory is a phenomenal cross-examiner, I mean, she can just go in and she doesn't let go, it it's, can be the same way at home. Oh, yeah. And so sometimes I see people crying on the witness stand. I think, you have no idea what Tuesday night was like for me. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and one, that's... That's something I I kind of ask every single time is, does that happen at home? Do you get cross-examined at home? Because I've dealt with it. I I, I feel that from time to time. Um, and yeah, it, sometimes you put on that lawyer hat because it's the easiest way to win the conversation and show them wrong, right? Yep, yep, <laughs> yep, proving your point. 
who's the first to say that they're wrong? Well, that's me because she never says she's wrong. <laughs> and then the second part, who's, who's the first to say they're sorry? They may not be wrong, but they're sorry that this has happened. Oh, I say it all the time. I don't mean it, but I, I say it because <laughs> that's the quickest way to avoid the argument. So so if you say it, it, it means something. Yes. I would say that I have said I'm sorry in more meaningful ways than John. <laughs> well, but this also goes to good gift giving. Sorry, you know, I'm sorry gifts um, can be important if, if done right. Um, who's the first one to make fun of the other? John makes fun of me, for sure. <laughs> he is quick with the jokes, yes. isn't he? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, who is more likely to correct the other one? It depends. I think yeah. in, like, especially like in the, if I'm wrong on a rule of evidence, like I will hear about it for three days. But, you know, I think that in terms of sometimes um, the business aspects of the law, some of the leadership pieces where maybe uh, Mallory comes in a little bit hot, I may have to say, hey, you know, you might want to rethink that. And then you say, look, I told you, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, this is what happened. So I think that um, when it comes to specific, uh, I think, practice area stuff, you know, Mallory is, is a steel trap mind, just really sharp and will make that correction on the spot, which I appreciate. You got to make on the spot corrections. Uh, but I'm kind of the same way where I don't want someone to tell me two weeks later I screwed something up. Right. So I will let her know, hey, I think you're making a, dis a bad decision here. And, uh, you know, we have those conversations and sometimes she listens and most of the time she doesn't. Well, you're you're a big fan of fail forward, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's important. I I don't want to hear that I'm wrong, so I'm the opposite. Yeah. I I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to be corrected until I admit it to the world, and then I can be told, yes, yes. we all knew this before. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm big on data. Like, show I have no problem being wrong. Show me I'm wrong. Yeah. yeah. Show me the numbers because the numbers tell the story, right? So you know, there's just I mean, and, and especially in the practice of life, I, I love, someone told me, well. We were even talking about numbers, and we were having a, a, an argument about well, what was the right number. And so I said, "Look, cash doesn't lie. Yeah, G give me the cash numbers, then we'll work backwards from there." But I think, you know, for me, I've learned over time I'm less, much less stubborn. I think I, I had to be about. It was about when I turned forty years old. I figured out that feedback really is a gift. Mm. Um, and but I am, you know, I have evolved a lot of my thinking over the time, and just because I've been wrong, right? And the numbers or the data has shown me I'm wrong, and then I'll try something different, and then you know maybe that'll work, maybe it won't, or maybe it'll only work for a little period of time. But I think. You know, especially in a relationship, it, it's difficult, right? Because if I can tell you data points and understand when, when I'm wrong, great. But in a relationship, it's so nebulous, yeah. right? It's all yeah. opinion. And so yeah. it's it's very difficult to say yes. who's right or wrong. Like, you know, if I didn't take the a minute to scrape off the protein powder, but instead, you know, was able to hire a new lawyer in that time, like, well, where's the value, right? I mean, I think we can live with a little protein powder in the sink, right? We can have this argument all day long. <laughs> But I do think that because of what we do, I mean, I think some of the smaller things that maybe trigger in relationships more are le like 90% of the time, I just take a Windex wipe and I clean it up myself. I don't say do it differently. And same thing with like, you know, whatever. I mean, making one of the girls bottles. Well, they don't do bottles anymore. But, you know, it's just like... I, Correcting things like that and it's like if you have a certain because that is it is nebula. It's like there are different degree varying degrees of accomplishing something and some may think one way is better <laughs> and, and more optimal and others think, well, this got the same outcome. It's just not quite as pretty or whatever. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's typically depending on my mood, but typically not worth making a fight about it and saying you should have done it this way and just going and doing it that way if I want something to look a little different than however he did it. Yeah. I'm just fixing it myself rather than starting a fight about it. Um, so who plans uh, where you go on vacation? Me. 
And uh, who plans Valentine's Day? We don't. Do you do? I don't know. We really. Every day is Valentine's Day. Oh. We really, yeah. We, Greg Stratman said the same answer here. <laughs> wow. You guys must have had, um, exchanged notes there. Um, who plans date nights? Let's talk about that. Day night plans? Generally, she does. I don't. Yeah. 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 I mean, and we, like, we haven't been out. Well, but Mallory's pretty good. Like, I'm not, you know, I, I will eat anything, you know. I mean, as long as it's, like, not vegetarian or vegan or something. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> But, uh, but you know, but Mallory's very good at researching the restaurants, knowing what's a good restaurant, knowing what to order, what's new. So she's very on top of the uh, restaurant scene where, wherever we go, whether we're here in Omaha or we're on vacation somewhere. She already knows where she wants to go. I, we just came back from Aspen last week. All four nights we had reservations somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I enjoy doing things, beyond, you know, John, if it's not moving the needle forward in work, I feel like you don't want to make the decisions in that regard. Like you yeah. don't want to look at the restaurant yeah. or pick the vacation. John's just like ready to show up for that kind of stuff. There, there's so. there's a, a lot of big um, things that need to be you know figured out. Here's here's all these questions that you're answering for the day. Where are we going for dinner? Yeah. Not always yeah. the most important thing. Yeah, I have decision fatigue by the end of the day. I really, you know, don't care. But I think that that's a way to get unhealthy really quick too. Yeah. So then it's like, yeah, okay, well, we'll just, you know, eat what, what looks good. And I think that, so having somebody uh, on the team who, who who is aware of that, and we're starting to actually start to try to cook some meals at home. We are. Oh, I really? made lasagna last night and I have a salmon marinating for tonight. Oh well, we're trying, you know, it's the, it's the twins, honestly, because we're now introducing them to food. So... Um, I don't want to give them DoorDash stuff. <laughs> so, so with the with the cooking, um, yeah, we have definitely made more home cooked meals lately. I I love how down to earth you guys are as a couple. Um, it's I think that maybe there is misconceptions about you two, and I'm glad that we got you on the pod to have this conversation to show you guys as fun, real people um, that care a lot, and so. Um, wish you guys a happy Valentine's Day. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for joining us today on Veteran Led, where we pursue our mission of promoting veteran leadership in business, strengthening the veteran community, and getting veterans all of the benefits that they earn. If you know a leader who should be on the Veteran Led podcast, report to our online community by searching at Veteran Led on your favorite social channels and posting in the comments. We want to hear how your military challenges prepared you to lead your industry or community, and we will let the world know. And of course, hit subscribe and join me next time on Veteran Led.